welcome to Write Damn It, the podcast for writers of all kinds who are looking for inspiration and motivation to get the writing done. And I'm your host, Zoe Richards. Episode 7 Five Things Every Writer Should Know. Well, actually, that's five things that I think every writer maybe could benefit from knowing. It's not quite so snappy a title, though, is it? So we'll stick with five things every writer should know. The first one, and you'll perhaps understand now why I'm going, well, that's just my opinion of five things, is feedback is opinion. That's right. It's not necessarily fact. Feedback is opinion. I believe that there are three, possibly four, different types of feedback that we can get. The first one is informed feedback. So that might be from an agent. It could be a publisher, a commissioning editor at a publisher. It could be from other published authors. And I would say there, I would be looking at ones who've got two, three or four books or more published rather than a debut author. So that gives us a group of people who are giving us informed feedback about our writing. Then we've got the second type of feedback, which is directed feedback. And what I mean by that is that we give questions to the people that we're asking for feedback from. And so we're directing them about what we want them to look at in our writing. And that way, we're not just getting a, oh, this is great. I really enjoyed it kind of feedback, but we're getting responses to those questions. Now, that could be things like, is the character believable? Do you want to keep on reading? Does the plot make you want to keep on turning the pages? And so on. So that's directed feedback where you're asking some specific things and getting specific feedback. Then there's the third one, which could potentially be split into numbers three and four. And that's what I would call uninformed or misinformed. And that's where we have feedback from people who perhaps aren't great readers. Maybe they are great readers, but they don't know anything about our genre. I remember I was asked once to give some feedback on a sci-fi novel. I don't read sci-fi at all. Now, I was able to give some directed feedback in terms of answering some specific questions. But beyond that, I couldn't say anything about the world building. I couldn't say anything about the style of the narrative. I don't have experience of reading that kind of a novel. Another example around misinformed, someone was telling me that she had asked some people to give her feedback and the feedback was based around, from one particular person, the feedback was based all around grammar. And so it was almost like the person took on the role of a proofreader, a copy editor, telling the person, telling the writer, that there was this error or that error. And that got the writer really confused because she hadn't quite expected that kind of feedback. So we've got those three, possibly four different types of feedback and each of them is still opinion. Even if it's informed feedback, it's still just opinion. But what happens when we think about where the feedback's coming from, we can stop and ask ourselves, Is this feedback, it's worth my while taking on board? Or is it actually feedback that, you know what, I'm ignoring that. I'm not having anything to do with it. I am not giving this feedback any power. So you can let it go. I think it was Neil Gaiman who said something along, I'm going to paraphrase now, you get that, don't you? Um, It was something along the lines of, when someone tells you what's wrong with your writing, what's not working, listen to them. When they tell you how to put it right, 
don't. And I think that's something else we need to take on board when we're getting feedback from other people. In a future podcast, I'll talk about how we handle feedback, because even when we value and trust the person who's giving us feedback, it can still knock us a bit. And it's helpful to have some strategies for how we can work through handling the feedback we're given. So that's our first of the five things every writer should know. Number two, there's always something to learn. Or you could put it as being, there's always something more to learn. It doesn't seem to matter for me how much I learn about writing and about the creative writing process. Every corner I turn, there we go, there's something new for me to learn. And I think it's really important for us to make sure that we find places where we can pick up that learning and help ourselves to develop and grow as a writer. Now, it doesn't all need to be really expensive. We don't all have to go off and do a master's degree in creative writing. We don't have to have a formal qualification in order to go through the learning process. Obviously, you've got things like podcasts. I'm going to mention those, seeing as this is a podcast. There's the shit no one tells you about writing. That's a good podcast to listen to. In Suspense, Eek, I'm an Author. Uh, Many more. There are plenty of podcasts out there that help you to learn and grow as a writer. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, Philippa East on Twitter does regular tweets where she will share learning about the story grid and how we can improve our writing process. And there's Lucy Atkins on Instagram, who at one o'clock on a Thursday, she does an Instagram live. I first came across her in 2020 during the lockdown and she was doing Instagram lives. I learned so much from her short 20 minute Instagram lives. She teaches creative writing at, I think it's Cambridge University, could be Oxford. It's one of those two anyway. And so she's very knowledgeable. And Philippa East is also very knowledgeable as well. So it's worth following those two. Philippa, as I say, is on Twitter and Lucy is on Instagram. Then you've also got a number of organisations. I'm not going to try and mention them all, by the way, but you can learn from Jericho Writers. That's the group I was introduced to from one of Lucy Atkins' Instagram lives where she mentioned about Jericho writers and I immediately joined. I've learned so much from Jericho and I've also been able to find my tribe through there as well. That's got an annual fee for you to pay and they also have courses where you just pay directly for the course. Then you've got Curtis Brown Creative, again their courses that you pay for and the Faber Academy as well. There are many others that offer courses. I'm just trying to give you a flavour of the fact that if you identify you've got some learning you need to do, there are plenty of places out there without having to do a really expensive degree or master's degree. So number three, we have different books inside us to write. That's my belief anyway. So the first one I think that we have is that one that niggles to be written. It's probably our very first book that we'll finish. It's that book that wakes us up in the middle of the night and we want to think about well before we've properly learned about creative writing and the writing process. It's that book that we just feel as though we must write. It's not necessarily going to see the light of day. It may not be any good. I seriously have some novels that I would never allow people to see again. I do have one that is completed that I know I've got to go back to at some point. It's historical fiction. I absolutely have to go back to it, but it's written really badly at the moment. I might do what, uh, is it Gillian McAllister who writes a first draft and then bins it? It may well be a case of that's what I have to do with that historical novel. 
and just start from scratch. But I know there's a story there that's got to be told. But the first ones that I wrote, ah, no, they're not going to get out there. But they niggled me to be written, even though I didn't finish them. The next one we've got is the one that we want others to read. So the one that I have that has been agented and is out on submission to commissioning editors, that's the book I've written that I want others to read. And that feels really important to me that I've got to that step with my writing, that I am ready for other people to read it. I am excited, also nervous as well, but it is a book that I want others to read. I wrote it for me. But at the same time, I have written it knowing that I want other people to read it too. And then the third one is the story, the plot that we're ready to tell. I haven't reached that one yet. I hope that's what I'm doing with book two. It may well be I've got to write another two or three books that are simply the one that I want others to read. But I know that one day I will be ready to write that book that I am so ready to tell and that will be much stronger in the way that I've written it. In order to do that, I'm going to have to go back to number two of the things that I want every writer to know. I'll have more to learn on this journey. I am sure to have more to learn on the journey. So then number four. Number four is about plotting. And I know that there's a chance that you're sitting there and cringing because I've used the P word. Yep, plotting. Plotting is not the enemy. At times it really can feel for some people, and this is how I felt when I first started writing, that plotting would actually stop me from being able to create. The truth is, though, that there are plotting techniques that can help us with our writing. Now, with my very first novel, I just kept on writing, kept on writing, kept on writing, went way over word count for historical fiction, and then in the editing process had to reduce it down. And you know what? I think I've still got masses more that I could take out of that novel and it really wouldn't destroy the story at all. Now, I'm very much of the mind that plotting is not the enemy. It's there to help me. I know other people who plot in much greater detail than I do. So I'm not trying to suggest to you that I've gone from being somebody who just does the discovery writing and refuses to plot to being somebody who does full on plotting with the post-it notes all over the wall. I'm not there yet. But what I do do is I use plotting to give me structure and boundaries. And I found that really, truly plotting is not the enemy. Through doing that process of understanding the boundaries of my novel, I've been able to write a synopsis right at the very beginning. Who knows whether that synopsis will stay exactly the same? I could actually bet you that that novel is not going to be identical to the current synopsis. But by having a synopsis, I can describe it when I need to. I can also give that synopsis to my agent so that she can sell it on along with my first book. So by having a synopsis that comes from doing that plotting, I'm in a much better place to be able to write a novel that is going somewhere. I still need to do some discovery writing as well, though. I enjoy that. I don't want to lose that. So I've not plotted out every individual chapter and I do feel as though I've got that scope, that space to be able to do the discovery writing at the same time as having a plot that gives me a structure to follow. What I'd say though is most critical around the plotting or pantsing, pantsing if you don't know it is where you write by the seat of your pants. The really important thing around this is find what works for you. If not plotting has worked for you and you've got an amazing novel 
Go you. That's fabulous. I know when I was at a book event for Janice Hallett, I think that was for the mysterious case of the Alpitant Angels, and she was saying that she absolutely pants it all the way. So she does not do any plotting. She acknowledges that she has to plot at the end, but she has managed to find a way that works for her without doing plotting at the beginning. Equally, I know many people who have not yet found an agent who have done no plotting whatsoever. People who are editing and really lost in their edits because they haven't done any plotting whatsoever. If that's you, it may well be that you need to use plotting at least to give yourself a structure. And maybe where you're at right now, it might help you to just sit down and write out what your plot is and just check in. Is that plot working? Bottom line, though, find what works for you. Simply know plotting is not the enemy. And then number five, rejections. There is something really odd about this world of writing and becoming an author. And that's the fact that at so many steps along the way, we have to face rejections. Some of them are rejections from ourselves as well, aren't they? But yeah, rejections seem to be something that we give permission to hold power over us. Let me just put you straight on something here. Rejections hold no power, no power whatsoever. The thing about rejections, though, is it does the loop back up to feedback, particularly if you don't get a form rejection. So I was lucky with my first novel, the historical one that I mentioned before. I actually did receive some really useful feedback on that. So I was then able to change what I was doing, which led to me writing the novel that is out on submission to commissioning editors at the moment. What we've got to remember when it comes to rejections is that most of us start with the top agents. We query all of the top agents because they're the ones that everybody talks about. They're the ones that we come across. They're the ones that are written in the acknowledgements of so many books that we read. And everyone tells you, if you don't know where to find an agent, read the acknowledgements. Well, that's great, except that if all we're doing is reading top books, those top books are quite possibly agented by somebody who's a top agent. If we're all targeting dreaming of those top agents, we're not all going to get there. So actually, we need to be just going, right, let's give that one a tick. We've sorted that one. We've moved on. It doesn't matter. I have some top agents that I queried and I got the rejections. And it was almost a case of, phew, thank goodness for that, because I'm not sure I would have benefited from working with them. I absolutely love the agent I've got. We've got a brilliant relationship. She definitely is the best support that I could have ever hoped for in an agent relationship. But we have to understand this, that any rejection we get. So at the moment, I've been receiving rejections from publishers. They love the book. They don't have space on their list right now for a book of this type. That is tough, but the rejection isn't holding any power. What my agent and I are doing is we're taking the feedback and we're asking ourselves, okay, is there anything we need to change? Is there anything that will make it so that it's just that slightly bit stronger and then we will find a publisher who has space for it? It's all about reflecting after you've had a few rejections and thinking about what you need to do next. Blindly just carrying on, carrying on and not taking any notice of the rejections won't help you. But what I do want to say, and these two I think are critical points, don't count your rejections. It's not going to help you. 
it's not going to give you a badge of honour because you've counted up that you've got 98 rejections. That's no help to anybody and it could possibly damage your mental health. So please don't count your rejections. Do notice that you've had a few rejections in succession and simply take that moment to say, okay, I think it's time to reflect now. And then the second thing that I think is crucial in this, keep going. If you genuinely believe in this novel, if you genuinely believe this book you've written has a home out there, keep going. The only reason that you will absolutely fail is that you stop. That is a guarantee. If you stop because you've had a rejection, that's it. Nothing more is going to happen for you. So think about whether that rejection is being given so much power that it's stopping you actually achieving success or whether you're just going to move on, keep going and go after the next agent. The right agent for you will be out there. And if not, this book may not be the one. Write another. Keep writing. Don't hang everything on one novel. Go out there and learn some more. Go out there and see whether you have a different book to write and use all the feedback that you can. So there we go. That's the five things. In my opinion, every writer maybe could benefit from knowing. I hope those things have helped you and I hope you have some fun with the writing that you're doing. So happy writing and may the words flow for you. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.